Welcome, my friends, to the Bob and Brad podcast produced by Bob and Brad, the two most famous physical therapists on the internet, in our opinion. I am exactly one half of the Bob and Brad team. I am Bob. And today, my guest is a return guest. My first return guest is going to be Sarah Meeks. Uh, I'm going to just keep this very uh, short and simple. She is the go-to person with regard to osteoporosis. Everything you need to know about osteoporosis, especially non-medical treatments as far as uh, uh, medicine, um, she's the person. So you know, want to maybe check out today's uh, podcast, but you also want to check out one that we did with her recently. It's called Osteoporosis. There is something you can do. An interview with Sarah Meeks. Uh, it's also on YouTube. We'll have the links below. Um, it, it's a very popular video, by the way, at over 75,000 views. So, and, and by the way, I also want to mention right away at the beginning here that she will take your emails and answer your questions and also send you handouts. So her email is jharrison. I'll spell it out, J-H-A-R-R-I-S-O-N-2 at earthlink.com. Earthlink. Dot, I'm sorry, not .com, .net. Harrison 2 at earthlink.net. Check it out. Give her an give her a email. Hope you enjoy the show. Sarah Meeks, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Well, it's Looking- really a, our pleasure. I mean, <laughs> your last uh, video and podcast was a huge hit. Um, <laughs> it's had at least 75,000 views and... Uh, still getting quite quite a few day, views a day so oh. really glad to have you mm-hmm. yeah i i must admit um i haven't had a response like that from anything else so you've got a big following and i got awesome. I, I received emails from all over the world basically and i've done a few consults and hopefully everybody is happy with that well well deserved well deserved. yeah so the first question, do you want to ask it? Because I just want to get the breathing out of the way. And then. Sure. Uh, you already kind of touched on this, but can you speak yeah. to the role of breathing with exercise? Well, the thing that I, uh, that I, that I wrote here to, to answer, because I didn't say this in the presentation, as you prepare for an exercise, you want to take a breath in. Okay. And then as you do the exercise, you breathe out. This is a yogic principle in breathing, in, in, in exercise. But there is also a principle of movement. Um, let me see. I have this in here too, um, where the antagonist muscles, what's it called? Um, reciprocal inhibition. Sure. That, when, that when you go to do a movement, uh, let's say that you have to, just for simple you know, presentation, bend the elbow, well, that's your bicep muscle. But the triceps has to relax so the biceps can bend the elbow. It's called reciprocal inhibition. So if you're breathing out, that muscle will be more relaxed and you'll be able to do the movement better. Gotcha. Then if you're holding it, like if you're holding a yoga pose or Pilates or whatever, you don't want to hold the breath. You want to continue to breathe in and out evenly. Or sometimes if I'm doing bridging, let's say bridging, that's a pretty intense exercise, you know. A lot of big muscles there working. Yep. 
quadriceps and gluteus maximus, back extensors, you know. So I'll do Kabbalabhati while I'm holding the bridge. Sure. Takes my mind off the bridge. <laughs> and the yeah. pain. And my back pain or whatever's going on. And um, so the breathing, that's I did I did want to bring that up. Okay. Yes. You want to you want to do the breathing exercises in different positions because it does affect the diaphragm and then focus on slow. And then we did the demo. So that kind of answers that. Very good. All right. Um, does osteoporosis uh, present with pain? Not usually. It's called the silent condition until a fracture occurs. And then I thought, hmm, most of the fractures are silent. So how can that be true? So what I say is it's a silent condition until a symptomatic fracture occurs. You see, not off, not, uh, I mean, 30%. 20 to 30% of the fractures are the ones that are brought to our attention. The rest are silent. So are a lot of those fractures discovered um, incidentally? Like yes. you be doing yes. an x-ray on something else and you see the... Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. And I had a lady lost eight inches of body height, never had a day of back pain in her life that she could remember. They were wow. all silent. They had to be all silent fractures. People wow. will say, oh, that's not possible. Well, okay. I've seen it many times. Sure. Yeah. So, no, it does not. And one of the things, I think I have a question on body height here that I'd like to just tell everybody. You, you should keep track of your body height throughout your lifetime. Do not yes. depend upon the medical system to do it for you. They do, I've had a doctor tell me, well, it doesn't change anyway. Why do I need to measure it? And I say, oh, wait, what do you, well, well, let me tell you what I do for a living here. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I saw a patient once with 10 inches of body height loss. Oh, my gosh. So you need to keep track. You need to ask when you get weighed, because they always weigh you. Right. To get your height checked. And let's jump right to that question. When is a loss of height indicated to get screened for osteoporosis? Uh, what number is that? 14. Oh, wow. I just thought since we're talking about it. Okay. Number, number 14. Number 14? That's what I have. How does a loss of height? Uh oh, you didn't get my new ones. No, I didn't 13. get the new one. It says 13 or 12 here. Okay. okay. When should someone get screened? Yep. Okay. Well, I have a few ideas here. The first one I said, a good time would be around the age of peak bone mass, which is in your early 30s. Now, the problem is you're not going to get any insurance to pay for it, probably. But it's not an expensive test. But that would be the time because that's your starting point. When you reach right. your peak bone mass, then you begin a decline throughout life. So you want to know what your original was. So if you can, I think this, the most I've heard for a DEXA scan is about $200. Now, for some people, that would be not possible. Right. Um, but it may, uh, I'd like to start, if we, if we get Medicare for all ever, or something like that, it might be able to be covered. Because this starts early. I apparently had it when I was 44, when I uh, had a spiral fracture of my left fibula. 
I was at the age of 44 learning how to ice dance. Can you believe oh, <laughs> I do weird things. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I caught a pick, you know, and I twisted, sure. and, you know, and I had the fracture. And so the doctor said to me, he said, God, I don't know why you women won't drink milk. Or something. And I said, what, what's he talking about? Uh-huh. That was so probably my first, that was my first sign. So it's basically a baseline. Uh, yeah, baseline. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, <clears throat> definitely within five years of menopause. That's when most bone loss occurs. And that's either surgical menopause, hysterectomy. Sure. Okay. Yeah or natural menopause, sometime within within that time period, because the bone loss starts and is quite, um, the loss is quite a, quite a lot. Um, then I said, well, um, maybe age 60. And the reason I said that is that uh, the statistics show that over, uh, I, I think it's over 60% of people over 60 already have the condition. So, we should be testing people lower than Medicare age. I got my first official bone density test when I turned 65. And um, of course I was in denial, just like everybody else. Sure. And um, so there, there is that. And then also there are people with comorbidities such as rheumatoid arthritis, people on corticosteroids or other risk factor medications. They should be tested. In fact, sure. I, I think they do a lot of those people annually. Gotcha. Mostly they'll say every two years would be plenty, uh, depending upon what they find. But yeah. I, how, yeah. how much of a loss of height would you uh, be concerned about? Well, I'm concerned with any, but um, there's no number that would indicate that you have osteoporosis. Sure. Uh, now, if you've lost two to two and a half inches, that's indicative of compression fracture. Sure. Mm-hmm. And compression fracture usually indicative of osteoporosis. Oh correct? yes. Well, unless I've been in an accident, yes. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I don't know what else would cause these fragility fractures. But, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Now, I'm going to number four now. At least my number four. You have said that. Number four. Uh, should they should not self-select? Is that right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's, uh, okay. So, so I'll, ask the question. I'll read the question. Uh, you have said that people with osteoporosis should not self-select an exercise program. In other words, that's that correct. They shouldn't yeah. choose their own program. Can you explain why? Well, because many of the exercises that people are doing when they go to the gym, they go to yoga class, Pilates, wherever, they're doing movement that's contraindicated, or at the very least, uh, to use caution with. Sure. But uh, and I and I did. I had a lot of requests for that particular handout after the first podcast. Uh, uh, going to the gym um, and. Yoga and Pilates were the big ones. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of, uh, well, actually, I just got an email from somebody who said that she went to a therapist who said that he treated osteoporosis. And the first thing he gave her was a yoga pose called the child pose, where you lie down on the floor and you curl up in a little ball. I know it, uh, yeah. 
obviously doesn't know what to do for osteoporosis. Exactly. So there's, you have to be very careful. You just can't go to the gym and start doing what they ask you to do because they'll be giving you things that are possibly contraindicated. They may give you some things that aren't, you know, but. Sarah, I want to list. That's not what I, I see. Want, I, yeah. I want to list your email right now. We'll mention it at the end too, but it, and it's not, it's down in the description below if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, but uh, it's, I'm going to read it off here. It's J Harrison, J H A R R I S O N, then the number two at Earthlink, just how it sounds, earthlink.net. And again, if you have questions, uh, or you're seeking the handout, or if you're seeking the uh, the PowerPoint presentation, uh, Sarah will send those to you. Yes. Correct? Yep. Wonderful. And I will also, if you want uh, a copy of those slides, uh, well, that'll be on the... The PowerPoint. On the, on, well, the PowerPoint will be on your YouTube. Yes, it will. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If they wanted the slide presentation separately, I could send that to them too. I don't know if the recording would be on it or not. Probably sure. not. Uh, uh, they can get it on, on there. I, I really like this question. Uh, it's my number five. Are you able to reverse osteoporosis? Oh, yes. Uh, well, you saw part of my answer there, I think. Uh, actually, I think if people can get diagnosed and get to somebody who knows what they're doing right away, I would say yes, um, that, uh, that it can be reversed with certain movement, getting good weight bearing on the bones, getting, uh, how do I start weight bearing? Well, sometimes it's very simple, just by walking. People aren't walking. Sure. And then I say, no, what you need are random and odd impacts. So you got to start walking backwards and sideways, but make sure you're safe. Make sure you teach your patients how to do it. A lot of people externally rotate the hip when they go sideways. I say, no, you can't do that. That's not the muscle we're after. We want the gluteus medius. So uh, <clears throat> it would be. To, it would also depend on other uh, uh, comorbidities that they have to deal with. Uh, some people, you know, have difficulty doing like people with CO, people with COPD can have difficulty getting started on a program because of their breath. Yeah. You know, so we start with the breath, uh, but we want to get started right away. And I think I put at the uh, at the bottom here that management of compression fractures should begin immediately. Do not wait. Do it on the day of fracture. Oh, that first patient that I saw, I saw her on the day of fracture. Sure. And you know, when I saw her X-ray in six months, her vertebral body has gone back to almost its normal size. Really? But, but you have to get, well, the first rule of fracture management is to reduce the fracture. So if you have a compression fracture, what do you have to do? Decompress it. Decompress. So my first I order- I had no idea, Sarah, that you could regain the bone height. Yep. You... I've, I've done it on myself. Oh, I had an x-ray once and the doctor looked at my x-ray and he said, oh, it looks like you've got some compression down at your T11. I, so, of course, I said, what? Let me take a look at that. You know, sure enough, you could see it right there. So I got really busy. I was do, already doing my exercises, but I started to focus on that area more because I know where it is. You know, I have a little 
advantage to a lot of people. Sure. Next, next x-ray, I was back to normal. Awesome. That is awesome. Um, I'm going to skip to number eight now. Uh, a weighted vest is considered oh, by oh. some to be good for building bone. Right. You comment on that. I, I well, really the research is what I call puny on it. Okay. There was some research done. There was some uh, improvement, I think, in the hip primarily. And, but it wasn't really outstanding improvement. Now, also with the weighted vest, I look at it more that it will increase your cardio output because of the added weight. Sure. Well, one of the things that has happened, the good old American way, with, with weighted vests, a lot of the vests, you carry the weight on the shoulders and people start complaining of shoulder pain. Now, when I was, now this was the dark ages, right? A PT student, I learned that when you carry extra weight in the body, you want to carry it down below the navel, the center of gravity, which is an S2, your sacral segment two, that's below your navel. So there was a weighted vest called a walk vest, and I still have one, but it's not being manufactured. But I'd, yeah, I'd like to, maybe you could get it manufactured. <laughs> well, look, you've got a lot of products. Why not? Well, that one? That's true. But, what it what it what it was? It looked first of all, it looked like a vest. Secondly, you carried the weight below the the uh, the, uh, the the pelvis here. Sure. Okay. And so I used to. You know, I I figured. Hmm, well, so I got. I think how many pounds did they send me? Ten pounds, I think. Little one pound weights. And I thought, oh God, ten pounds. That's nothing, right? Right. <laughs> you try it. Ten pounds. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I went out and tried to walk. I, I just piled in the weights and went for a walk. And I got like halfway down the street. And I said, geez, this is work. <laughs> you know, uh, and I was running marathons then, you know. So, uh, so I cut it out. You know, I, I went down to two pounds. Uh, and you put the weight in the back first. You see, that's where you carry the weight best. Uh, like, like these little fanny packs, you know. And, yeah. then, and then in a circle. So it's called a walk vest. You can probably still find it on the internet. And I have one. If you, if listen, if Bob and Brad want to manufacture it, I, it's all yours. It's not my original anyway. So sure. but I have one. <laughs> well, actually, speaking of products, Sarah, I do want to show two of your products, if that's all right. Oh, oh, uh, sure. Oh, I'll, yes, I'll yes. Oh, yes. I want the, you got the rollers? Oh, the foam rollers. Yes. Okay. Uh, this one um, it's really quite soft. So I take yes. it, it is for someone who may be osteoporotic and maybe less tolerant of a more <laughs> dense roller. Um, we're going to do a video on this. Um, so I'd like to hear your comments about it. Um, oh, you're going to do a video. Yeah, we're going to do a video on both of these. This is oh, the other okay. one. This is your half uh, roller. This is a half. Turn it over so you can see the flat side. That's mm -hmm. got a, This is the one that I frequently start with because, of course, I see people who are really, well, average age 75, you know, so they, you know, so I start them on the half roller. In fact, you know the spinal med brace? Uh, the price? The, no, the spinal, do you know the brace called the spinal med? 
Oh, I don't, no. You don't? Oh, I need to talk about that. Well, just, well, anyway, the patient James, my patient James that I yep, showed. Yep, that, yep, yep. Okay. Exactly. Well, one day I had him on, he was in a hospital bed. It was important. And I had him lie on the half roller. And he said, oh, this is just like a brace, Otofield. Now, this ah. guy's worn every brace under the sun in his lifetime, Earth. right? And this light bulb went off in my mind. I said, of course. Why are we bracing the front of the body? Why aren't we bracing the back? Sure. So I envisioned a support that went up the back, had an abdominal thing, abdominal piece, because they all like the pressure on the abs, yeah. and then a couple of shoulder straps to hold the whole thing all together. I tried. I went to three different orthotests and tried to get them to make me a prototype. Oh, can't be done. Won't be strong enough. A lot of I've excuse in the book. And then I went to a meeting out in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, with the uh, National Osteoporosis Foundation. And there, sitting on a table, a little uh, uh, expo that they had, was the spinal med. And I, oh. and I saw, I went, I were running over and I said, oh, there's my brace. <laughs> so the guy said, his name is Ed Wilborn. So the guy said, what do you mean your brace? You know, he's like six foot two and I'm five foot two on a good day. <laughs> and what do you mean your brace? And I told him blah, 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 the whole story about dreams, you know. And, uh, and he said, oh, he said, well, would you like to try it on? I said, would I? <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, well, why don't you wear it for a while? Oh, okay. And I went all over the conference and take, dragging sure. every PT I could back to see the spinal med brace. And then he let me take it home. Oh, wow. And that was the beginning of my journey with Medi, M-E-D-I, USA, Medi, USA. They have a, a manufacturing plant in North Carolina. Sure. But the main manufacturing is in Germany. At the same time that I was envisioning that, I mean, I envisioned that whole thing just like it was in yeah. my mind. At the same time that I envisioned it over in Germany, a, a doctor, okay, Dr. Minna is his name, was doing the same thing. And only he, he had the staff and he had the money and he had the patients sure. and he had all of that. He had a company behind them. So they designed the brace. It is the brace for osteoporosis. So you, it strengthens. Would you say that name again? Spinomed. S-P-I-N-O-M-E-D. Spino. Okay, gotcha. The website is Medi, M-E-D-I, USA. And if you go on there and get in their orthopedic department, you'll see pictures of the Spinomed. You'll find a... Uh, a video of Ed Wilborn, who is the pa he he traveled with me, or we traveled together everywhere around the United States, Europe, ah. everywhere. Oh yeah, and he'd come in and show off the spinal bed, and then we all go out to dinner, and, you know, have ah. a social and like that. But he's not with Medi anymore; somebody else is. Oh it sure. It's the only brace uh, that strengthens the body part that it is designed to protect, gotcha. namely the back. I will definitely <laughs> check that out. It is like magic. Awesome. Awesome. Spinal med. See, I got the idea with one patient. Sure. 
And if you get an idea, here's my word to the wise, if you get an idea, act on it. Because somebody else in the universe has got the same idea. Seems like that Thank happens you. a lot. Yep. Now with this, uh, yeah. with this one, do, will you lie on this lengthwise or do you use yes, the other yes. one too? Yes, your sacrum goes at one end and your head the other. It's so 36 tailbone inches. on one end, yeah. head on yeah. the other. Head on the other, yeah. And it's 36 inches long. And I have found that the 36 inches, interestingly enough, will fit somebody up to six foot five inches tall. Oh, well, that's, I'm so six I guess six. pretty much most of our body height, I know, I know you're taller than I am, but most of it's in your legs, not your back. Yeah, that's right. I'd be fine, I think. So <laughs> uh, this is a good question. Uh, when a patient had, I got number nine on mine. When a patient has had one or more compression fractures, yes. procedures often done called a kyphoplasty or vertebroplasty. There's also a device called a bone jack. <laughs> Can you tell us about those procedures and how you manage a patient? Yes. Madam? Yes. yes. Uh, well, first of all, any of these procedures, I would do the same protocol, physical therapy, with any of these procedures. Kyphoplasty is, if you have a compressed vertebra, what they do is they insert through a needle a what they call a uh, balloon tamp. Mm. And then they inflate the balloon to raise the height of the vertebral body. And then they fill the vertebral body with a substance called polymethylmethacrylate, which is bone cement, basically. Sure. And that has... Uh, an advantage to people of taking away pain pretty quickly. Unfortunately, if you have osteoporosis, now you have a piece of cement butting up against the other osteoporotic bodies. So there can be adjacent fractures that occur with this. Sure. Vertebral, vertebral plasty is the same as kypho, except they don't use the balloon, the inflated balloon. They just go in and put the cement. Now it occurred to me, uh, because there is a, a, a condition called osteonecrosis, which I think I have a, I had a question on that, yeah. which means which means death of bone, usually occurs in people with silent fractures. But I'm I, I'm curious about necrosis in these procedures because if you fill the body with cement, you know you don't have any arterial circulation in the bone. Right. Right. I don't. I don't know about the statistics. I've kind of lost that. Now the bone jack. This is interesting. This looks just like a car jack. Oh but my it's about This big, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and I don't know how they do that, but they they put this. I I don't know, but I I read about it. I don't know now how much they're doing with it, but with the bone jack, which would be which to me would be probably better than the cement. But. Sure. Let's but I use about. the same protocol. The same protocol. Yes. Sure. No changes. Now, speaking of new things, there's a, a new test for bone quantity and quality. It's called the Echolite. Yes. Uh, it's a, it's you, ultrasound technology. Can you tell us about that? Well, it's uh, not much because I've only uh -huh. seen one, one, one of my patients. She just goes everywhere and does everything to, you know, treat herself the best she can. So she went to a sure. show and she had the test done. 
And uh, you can look it up. It's a really beautiful um, result that they give you on the on the on the printout. And it's also supposed to be. I haven't had. I only learned about it last week. You know, or the week before. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> uh, it's supposed to also give us a readout on bone quality, which is oh, interesting. Re- which is related to fracture risk. See, the bone right. quality is not related to fracture risk. And Bob, I'm going to tell you something. I just went on a little in, into PubMed. You know, uh-huh. there has there has been research on bone quality for years. And they're still doing the bone quantity. Yeah. Well, you know, they pay thousands of dollars for these machines. You're not, you're not going right. to No, but yeah. bone quantity, the DEXA scan is not related to fracture risk. It is the internal structure of the bone, the mineralization of the bone, the architecture of the bone, and the presence of micro damage. I did look up a little bit of information. We talked about this on the mineralization. Yeah. It starts in utero, mineralization of the bone. And then when the baby is born, a lot of the uh, deposition of minerals and so on depend upon movement. Well, you know what's happening with our babies. They're not moving. Right. So we have an epidemic now. of bad start to life. It is. Yeah. I I usually present that in my seminars. There's a lot of problems with children because of it. Sure. Yeah. I want to get to a couple of these questions too. Um, and I think you have it on here too, but uh, jogging and running are considered oh, yeah. good exercise yeah. for building stronger bones. Is running safe for a 50 year old woman with osteoporosis? Well, I say here, it is a mistake to base it on age. First of all, because there are people in their nineties that have healthy bone and people in their adolescence and twenties that, that don't. So it's not really an age-related thing. Sure. Now, the problem with running, they did. there's an article by, uh, the fellow's name is Nykander. I think it was about 2000, um, somewhere between 2010, and 2015. I'm not exactly sure. But uh, they looked at uh, eight different exercises to build strong bone in the hips. And... The, the least effective exercise is swimming. Right behind, right behind that is cycling. Makes sense. And right behind that is running. So the problem with running, because a lot of people depend upon that for weight bearing. But the thing is that down here in the South, we have an expression called same old, same old. They go out the door with the same old person. They go on the same old route. They go at the same old pace. They never change. And then they got their workout done and they come home. But the highest, the the best development of bone was in the high and triple jumpers. Well, of course, you know, we're not going to be doing that with our patients. But the next group was soccer and handball. So why would they have better bones? It's called random and odd impact movement. Gotcha. So even if you're doing home care, and now, you know, if somebody's on home care, they're at a fairly low level of activity. Mm-hmm. So what I used to do, and I still do, well, I don't do home care now, but anyway, is take them in the kitchen. They hold on the kitchen counter. And I teach them to walk backwards. I teach them to walk sidewards. You know, I try to, okay, so what do you do? You go out and get the mail. All right. So you go out and get the mail and you walk on your cement 
driveway, get over on the grass. So you have odd impact if you're safe, you know, I mean, it's all right. safe. but you try to try to figure novel ways where you can get different impacts on the bone. So in running now I've run four marathons, lots of, um, uh, what do you call it? Where you swim and bike and then run and triathlon and everything like that. I've done, a, I've done a lot of that. So when we used to train for that, um, what we would do is it's called in Swedish. Are you ready? I'm ready. Fartlet. Fartlet. Oh, yeah, I knew that. You knew that. Fartlet. I knew that, Fartlet. yes. So you say you're running along, you say, oh, you see that telephone pole over there? Okay, when we reach the telephone pole, and then you see down there, there's the, the end of the street, and there's a big oak tree or something like that. I say, so when we get to the telephone pole, you're going to go run as fast as you can to the end of the street. And then you go back to your usual thing. And then you come to maybe a fire hydrant or you come to some other landmark and say, you know, see, we'll get to there. We're going to turn around and we're going to go backwards or we're going to go sideways, or we're going to skip or, you know, whatever we're going to do. We're going to vary the forces or we're going to get off the street and go in the grass. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, or go out on a trail. We used to run around the North Florida hospital here with that. Now they've, expanded so much couldn't do it anymore but they used to have these wonderful trails out behind the hospital you know we go out on the trails and, sure. you know, as long as you don't trip over a tree root you're in business <laughs> well right along that same vein what about uh mini tramp oh the trampoline well this is interesting a lot of people have trampolines now so i looked up trampolines on the internet do you know that they make trampolines now everyone's got a cage around them yeah you can't fall off it Right. Well, that was one of the issues was balance. Okay. Now they, there is a research effect. I have it here somewhere on my desk, a research study done on uh, athletes, uh, trampoline athletes. Now they're, they're operating on a big trampoline right. in the gym, right? They're not one of these little round things. Right. Okay. Yeah. And it, they have shown bone development in these athletes. Now, I tell you, none of my patients are athletes. Right. Well, actually, actually, there was a fellow that said one time, he was a famous runner. He said, basically, we are all athletes. It's just that some of us are in training and some of us are not. Yeah, so, good point. So no more guilt. So <laughs> with that guy, yeah. uh, he, was a, he was a doctor, he was a very famous runner, runner doctor. So the little trampoline, of course, doesn't have the kind of uh, force that the bigger one will have. So sure. I don't know. My, my originals, I, in terms of weight bearing, I'll tell you what, there is nothing that beats being on your feet, using your back extensors to push you through space, strengthening the muscles of your hip, you know, and then if you want to increase the pace, you know, you'll get some poles and start walking with poles and then maybe start jogging a little bit because that will increase the weight. But you need to vary the force. Your bones go to sleep. If you do the same thing every day, they just stay the same. Sure. You want to strengthen your bones? You have to challenge the bones. You want to mention the, uh, I can't remember what you called it, but it was the kind of the heel drop. Oh, the bump, bump. Bump, bump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You go up on the ball of the foot and then you just drop down like that. Yeah. 
You could do that. It's it's like humming breath. You can do it almost anywhere. You yeah, know? you can do it anywhere, except driving. But so I don't really recommend trampolines, except it's like stationary bicycles, you know, or treadmills. Treadmills. Yeah. You, you miss the extension. You know, you're just following a moving platform. You're not getting your yeah. your hips straight. You're strengthened. But, you know, I used to live in the frozen north, you know, northern New York State up on the Canadian border, and that's sure. where you live too, right? So I used to use a, tra- uh, uh, what do you call it, a treadmill sometimes in the winter. Right. But there were, I mean, I'm, I remember I used to just get dressed and I'd put on my boots and everything, and I'd have a mask on my face and everything, and I'd go out in 30 below temperature up by the river, and I'd do my workout, you know, my run or my walk. Going through the snow and ice, I wasn't sure. just uh, running, you know. But I was, I was out doing it because I wanted to run a marathon in New York, and I had to train. So yeah, you can't get away did. from it. But but if you have inclement weather like that, you could you know you can use a trampoline instead. But you know I have people that just depend on on the treadmill all the time. It's not yeah, the same. I know we're go, out of time. Yeah, we're gonna go one more question if you don't mind. Okay, sure. I'm well, I'm here for you. Well, I, this is number 19 on my sheet. Uh, what are a few of the best things that a person oh. recently diagnosed can do with osteoporosis? Okay. All right. Well, I have as number one on my cheat sheet here to accept the diagnosis. Now, there is a. are you familiar with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross? No, I don't know that name. Well, she's a psychiatrist. She wrote a book called Death and Dying. And she used to work with dying patients. And she realized that when anybody had a diagnosis of, you know, a fatal diagnosis, cancer, whatever, they go through stages. They go through denial. They go through frustration. They go through anger. They go through acceptance. And then they go through this whole cycle again until they come around to acceptance. And then once they do that, then they can deal with it. It's the same thing with osteoporosis. I got my report, right? And here I was, I was a a Olympic style weightlifting champion on the world level and on the national level. I was running marathons, doing triathlons. I mean, I was an athlete, right? Working out and everything. I get my report and I said, oh no, that got me mixed up with somebody else, right? Sure. Total denial, total denial, right? And I couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. So I went through all those stages, just like she, she has got a great book called Death and Dying. I, w- I went to a seminar with her once. She's this little, she's shorter than I am. <laughs> little, little bitty person. She's from Europe. I forget what, what country. Uh, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, it was a four day seminar on death and dying right after my mother died. Oh boy. That was oh boy. Yeah, well, I learned a lot, you know, from her. But anyway, she's got this, she calls it stages of grief. Sure. When you get a diagnosis of anything like this, you're going to go through stages until you reach acceptance, and then you can do something about it. Then I said, seek out medical professionals who are trained in the management of this condition. That can be a real challenge. Now, I tell the people that come to me for consults, I have a huge list of people that have taken my training. And um, of course, now I'm not teaching anymore. So the list is getting older. So people retire and so on. 
mm-hmm. but I do still have a people, a lot of people practicing. And so I'll, I'll look for someone in their area. And if I find someone and they go to them, it's really a good deal. And then I can collaborate with a therapist. But like I, I think I already said this today, you can call any, any physical therapist on the, on the, in the, United States, and they'll all say that they work with osteoporosis, but That's it doesn't mean <clears throat> So you want to seek out somebody that, that knows what they're doing. Um, if you have back pain, or, or if even if you do not, get down in the decompression exercise and take the load off five to 15 minutes at a time. You can stay longer if you like, you know, fall asleep or something. Um, one to five times daily. I mean, I've had people in my, this exercise makes people feel so good. They want to do it. But right. then, then it goes along with some guidelines, no reading, no texting, no watching TV, no, no, uh, no cats, no dogs, no kids, no lifting. Somebody wanted to know she could lift weights while she's lying. Oh, nice. oh no weights, no weightlifting. You know? So, you know, you just lie there and let your back relax. There would be an advanced version. I got a couple more. I got a couple more. Sure. Uh, if you consider taking medication, do your homework. Look at the benefit versus risk. Be sure you want to take it if you decide to take it because it can be difficult getting off it. Sure. And then I said reduce negativity of thought. You can live a full life with osteoporosis, but you will need to modify movement to be safe. You know, people have their favorite exercises. You have you ever done yoga? I have not done yoga. No. You know what the you know what the uh, oh what's that what's that called? It's not the plow. Yeah, it's the plow. I think. Okay. You lie on your back and then you lift your legs up and you bring your feet over behind your head. I know. I know the plow. I know it. Okay. That's yeah. the first one. I, that's the first one I had to give up. Sure. Yeah, I think yes. I cried. I think I cried because I had worked very hard at perfecting it. Sure. <laughs> but the back is maximally flexed when you're in that plow. Position. No kidding. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I had to give up things. But then what happened to me is, well, I said, this is the uh, lemonade, you know, the lemons turning into lemonade. Because that, right. that's, that, that's when I started to work with the patients, all who had osteoporosis. I began to really focus on that program. And man, did I learn a lot there. And what a difference you've made, Sarah. Just a well, I guess. Yes. Some some days I wake up and I wonder, but you know, (laughs) I I just keep doing it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I want to thank you again for taking the time. And uh, again, her email is jharrison2 at earthlink.net. I'm going to spell this out J H A R R I S O N 2, the number two, at earth link.net and she'll send you some materials and she'll answer questions and uh she's a great resource so check it out and check out our last video too which was overcoming the osteoporosis oh no i'm sorry this that's this one the last one is osteoporosis there is something you can do and it was an interview with sarah so check that one out we'll have it linked below too I would like to just add one thing because there may be people on this podcast that did, have not watched the first one. Right. And I have about 10 documents that I can send. 
But if they send me the email, please let me know that they want the, the handouts for the first podcast because sure. I have different handouts for this one. They include the use of the foam roller. And I show, and there's a, uh, uh, I think there's a uh, uh, video on my website that shows how to get on the roller. I'm not sure of that though. But uh, basically I describe how to get on it. Because you don't just lie down on the end of it and then lie down. You you take the roller, you you wedge it up behind your back, and then you roll up onto it because you don't want to get those flexion forces in your spine. Uh, so, and then I have a document that has a list of exercises. You know, you lie on the roller and you have your hands on the floor and your feet on the floor, and then you pick up one arm, then you pick up the other arm so that you're balancing. It's a balance. Sure. Okay. Thing. And there's a whole bunch of, you know, movement there. Sarah, can um, you make sure you send that to me? Yes. Like, yeah. Send me an email, request it, will you? Because okay. sometimes I forget about you because sure. you're really <laughs> hard to, so. I'll send um, you an email. I will also add, um, I'm going to send them a picture of how to do prone positioning, how to lie. Anybody, because people say, oh, I can't lie on my stomach because it makes my back hurt. Well, you put a pillow under your hips. Right. Maybe two pillows. I don't know. You know, yep. you can do it. So uh, you can get started anyway. The pelvic press, which is done in prone, the head lift. Now the realignment, you do a head press. Okay. Now that's that idea I got from, um, oh God, what's his name? He was like back in the seventies. He's no longer living. Uh, uh, McKenzie. Yeah. McKenzie. Okay. He, he has the this movement. Right, you know? the chin tuck. But none of my patients could do it. So I, then I had this lady lying on her bed in supine, and all of a sudden I said, oh, she's perfectly safe. Her head is supported on her bed. You know, all I have to do is have her lift the chin a little bit so she gets an arch in her neck and press her head into the bed. Oh, same thing. Works. You know? yep. So it's called a head press. And then the head lift. When you lie prone... Put your hands here, and then you lift straight up. Not like this. Sure. Straight up. Okay? So I've got that there. And then upper back strengthening. And I also have a document on walking for exercise. Uphill, downhill, you know, <laughs> all around the barn. I can't wait to check them out. I okay. We'll send you an email. So Send me a reminder. Yep, I'll send you a reminder. So. All right, well, we'll finish it up there. And uh, thanks again, Sarah, for being on the, on the program. Well, depending upon the response you get from this one, I'd be willing to do another one because uh, we'll probably, I've, I've got a couple of yeah. things that I didn't address here. We'll, we'll be willing to do that. Okay. Thanks, yeah, Sarah. But I think two months is a good space. Sure. Between. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Thank you so much, and yep. thank you all for attending.